0: Amen, amen, thank you praise team for leading us in worship, thank you church for singing I don't know about you but I had a children's choir right here behind me So I heard the praise team on the stage and I heard the praise team behind me singing And I was just, I was caught up in that, I like that So this morning I hope that you are here uh, to worship, I hope that you are here to adore Christ our King uh, That's what it's all about, listen Christmas is all about Jesus, we're going to see that today in Hebrews chapter 1, I want you to go ahead and turn there. Hebrews chapter 1, that's where we're going to be uh, in the Word this morning. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Uh, what's some of your favorite parts of the Christmas story? Anybody? You don't have a favorite part of the Christmas story? This is going to be a tough sermon. I like all of it. You like all of it. I'm, I'm with Chris. I like it all. Does anybody like the, the story about the wise men? Anybody like that? I, I figured you did. Uh, we tell that story, as a matter of fact, over in Children's Church right now. That's what they're talking about. What else? When the angel to Mary. Yeah, when the angel appeared to Mary. That's right. That's good. What else? What are some other parts of the Christmas story that you love? Anybody? Shepherds. The shepherds. Yes, I love that. Somebody over here? Yep, Luke 2, 8 through 20, yep. I'm just going to tell you, there's so much of the Christmas story, uh, we really don't have time to cover it all in one day, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try. And I'm going to do it from the perspective of the angels. The angels are all throughout the Christmas story. You know, when you look at the Christmas story, we have some incredible people involved. Uh, let's, let's set aside baby Jesus for just a moment, and let's think about the people that are involved in the Christmas story. Of course, we have Mary, and we have Joseph, but we also have Elizabeth and Zachariah. You remember when Mary went to see Elizabeth, and the baby in Elizabeth's womb jumped, leaped for joy. Uh, we, we read that story and it's incredible. Uh, we read about the shepherds. Someone said the shepherds. We read about the shepherds in the fields when the angels appeared to them. Now, I believe the angels play such an important part of the incarnation, the Christmas story. But I don't want us to lose sight of what the Christmas story is all about. Listen, Christmas is all about Jesus. Amen? I love that we have Mary and Joseph, I love that we have the shepherds, I love that we have, you know, Zachariah and Elizabeth and, and John the Baptist, I love that we have the angels and we're going to see today that the angels play such an incredible part, an incredible role in the Christmas story, but we can't lose sight of Jesus. Did you know And I was reading, one of my favorite books on angels is a book by Billy Graham, if you've never gotten it, uh, his book entitled Angels, it's incredible, okay, And what Billy Graham used to say from the pulpit is that there are many people in our world today who are studying angels. And not only are they studying angels, they're worshiping angels. And Billy Graham made it very clear, the angels are not created to be worshiped. As a matter of fact, nothing that has been created should be worshiped. We should worship the creator. And the Creator has a name and His name is Jesus. And so listen, one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story is when the angels come and they speak to, to Mary and they speak to Joseph and they, they speak to the shepherds. I love the, the angels in the Christmas story. But, but we got to understand that the Christmas story is all about Jesus. So in thinking about the angels, what purpose, right? What purpose... Do the angels serve in the incarnation? What purpose do the angels have in the Christmas story? Well, I can tell you real quick, angels, not just in the Christmas story, but most specifically, that's what we're talking about this morning, but angels from the Old Testament through the New Testament. Angels are created beings whose primary purpose is to serve the Lord and to worship the Lord. That's really the easiest way for me to describe what the angels are to do, their purpose. Whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, whether it's heaven or earth, the angels have these primary purposes, to serve the Lord and to worship the Lord. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for angel is malak. The Greek word in the New Testament is a word closer to our word, it's the word angelos. Malak and Angelos is our word for angel. And the word angel has a meaning. The meaning of the word angel is a messenger. That's what the word angel means. And so in the incarnation story, the Christmas story, we see that the angels serve and worship the Lord. We see their adoration. We We see them doing what they were created to do. And I want to remind you one more time. We don't study the angels to learn more about the angels. If we look at the angels, the purpose is to see God. It's to see the glory of God. It's to see the plan of God. We don't worship the angels. We worship Jesus Christ. And I love Hebrews chapter 1 because the writer of Hebrews makes that very clear. The difference between the angels and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want you to look at it with me, Hebrews chapter 1. Now we're going to read the first four verses and then we'll move through the rest of Hebrew chapter 1. In the first four verses it says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son whom He appointed heir of all things and through whom also He made the universe." The sun is the radiance... Don't miss this. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word. After He had provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So He became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. So let's remember what we said last week. If you were with me last week, we made it very clear from John's gospel, John chapter 1, that Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God in flesh, God with us, Jesus Christ is both fully God and fully man. The incarnation, when Jesus Christ put on flesh... He became fully man. He was already fully God. And so Jesus Christ exists as fully man and fully God. He has always been. That's something we talked about last week. Jesus Christ was not a created being. Jesus Christ is part of the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, and has always existed. When he put on flesh, he became fully man. That's not when he existed, right? He's always existed. And so the incarnation is the moment that Jesus comes into the world, and not just comes into the world, but he comes into the world that he created. Does that not blow your mind? Right? He was born into the world that he shaped and fashioned and formed with his own hands. And so that blows my mind. But according to Hebrews chapter 1 especially these first four verses, we see some, in very, some very important truths about the incarnation. Number one, we see the glory of God in Jesus. That's what we see. We see the glory of God in Jesus. Dr. Al Mohler says in his commentary, the Son is the heir of all things. To be an heir meant to be invested in and with everything. So the Son is given full authority in heaven and on earth. To do business with the Son means that you're doing business with the Father. Moreover, if you are going to know the Father, you can only know the Father through the Son. That's what Dr. Al Mohler says. And Jesus said that, right? He said, if you know the Father, then you know me. And if you know me, then you know the Father. Jesus said, when I speak, I speak only the words that my Father has given me. I do the things that my Father has appointed me to do. So we can see and we have seen God's glory in many ways, just as we've heard God speak through the prophets. That's what the the, the writer of Hebrews says. We've heard the prophets speak. We, We see God speak through creation. However, I want you to see this and I want you to understand the greatest representation of God's voice. The greatest representation of God's glory is Jesus Christ himself. There is no glory greater than Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. We see God's glory in Jesus. That's what we see. And so to know Jesus is to know God. To to know the glory of God is to see Jesus and to know Jesus. I love this because the writer of Hebrews uses the word radiance. So I did some study on that word. I wanted to know more about that word radiance. Let me tell you about that word radiance. That word radiance is akin to the word Shekinah. We see that word Shekinah in the Hebrew language. Shekinah means that which dwells. The Holman Bible Dictionary says this about the word Shekinah. Shekinah is implied throughout the Bible whenever it refers to God's nearness, either in person, object, or... Or God's glory. It is often used in combination with glory. To speak of God's presence. God's Shekinah. That is what we see in Jesus. We see the Shekinah glory. God's presence. God's dwelling with us. He is the glory of God. We see it in his birth. We see it in his life. And yes we even see it in his death and his resurrection. The writer of Hebrews is... Helping me, he's helping us see the entire incarnation, right? The entire Christmas story. Why did Jesus come? Well, Jesus tells us, he tells us in in his own words, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to purify us from our unrighteousness. This is the glory of God. And so the writer of Hebrews says, in the Christmas story, in the incarnation... We see the glory of God. But not only that, we also see the superiority of the Lord. Right? He, he, he's, he's moving us into where we're looking at the entire incarnation. And he says we see the superiority of the Lord. Can we see God's glory in creation? Yes, we can. Can we see God's glory in the angels? Absolutely we can. But we have to remember that the, the angels are created beings. Therefore, we don't worship the angels We are to worship the Lord because of their presence, because of the glory that they show us. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is the one we worship. And the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus is superior. He's superior to all things and in all things. And he makes this reference to the angels. Now, why would he do that? Because if you'll look, Many times when the angels appeared, what happened to people? They would bow down, right? They, they, they were afraid. I, I mean, many times throughout the Bible, it says the glory of the Lord shone around the angel. We see that over and over again. And so the writer of Hebrews says, listen, yes, we can see the glory of God in created things, especially the angels, but because we see that glory, it doesn't mean we worship that thing. We worship God. We worship the Lord. And we got to make sure that when we look at the Christmas story and we see the angels, that it leads us to what Christmas is all about, who Christmas is all about. It's Jesus. And so the writer of Hebrews, before he goes any further, he says, Don't miss this. Jesus is Christ Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is superior. Jesus is the exact representation of God. He is Emmanuel, God in flesh. And so he goes on and he says this beginning in verse 5. He says, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. That's pretty clear, isn't it? God says, let all God's angels worship him. Speaking of Jesus. Verse 7. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the Son, he says... Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish But you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you remain the same. And your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Verse 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits Sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. The writer of Hebrews is very clear. We see two purposes of the angels. I've already shared this with you, but I want to look at it again. We see that the angels are to worship the Lord. That is their primary purpose. They are to worship the Lord. Verse 6 is very clear. Let all God's angels worship Him. That's the first thing the writer of Hebrews says about the angels. Let all God's angels worship Him. There is only one Son. His name is Jesus. The angels are God's agents. They are God's messengers. They are God's witnesses of what? Witnesses of God's gl- agents and messengers of God's glory. Witnesses and agents and messengers of God's plans and God's purposes. But there is only one Redeemer. His name is Jesus. And therefore, only Jesus is to be worshipped, and the angels worship Him. Do you see that? If the angels worship Jesus, why would we ever choose to worship the angels? The angels themselves are showing us, right? They're showing us, they're pointing us to the one who is to be worshipped. So in the Christmas story, don't get caught up, right? Don't get caught up in the angels, get caught up in Jesus, That's who the angels are pointing you to. That's who the angels are leading you to. That's who the angels spoke to Mary about. It was Jesus. That's who the angels spoke to Joseph about. It was Jesus. That's who the angels spoke to the shepherds in the field about. It was Jesus. And so we see this. Only Jesus is to be worshipped. Jesus Christ alone. Nothing else and no one else. But we also see that the angels are servants. They are to serve the Lord The writer of Hebrews makes it clear that Jesus is superior, that Jesus is above all, that it is Jesus who reigns in righteousness. I believe the writer of Hebrews is really connecting creation with authority of Jesus. He's looking at the creation, and he's looking at the incarnation, and he's looking at all the authority that Jesus has. It reminds me of John's gospel. What does John say in verse 3, chapter 1? He says, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So John's gospel is very clear. Even in the creation story, we connect the creation story with the incarnation. It's what I said earlier. Try to wrap your mind around this. It was through Jesus and by Jesus that this world was made. And yet it was Jesus who chose to be born into this world, humbly, in the form of a little baby. I don't know about you, but that blows my mind, right? The creator of the world came in the most humble way. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 7 and verse 14, we see the angels. And we see a reference to the angels. And the reference is they are servants. They are ministering spirits. When I think about servants, when I think about ministering spirits, I think about Matthew chapter 1 verse 2. I think about Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 19. Guess who the angel came to? The angel came to Joseph. What did the angel say to Joseph? Don't be afraid, right? Don't be afraid to do what? To take Mary as your wife. Because the baby she is carrying comes through the Holy Spirit. What was the angel doing? The angel was sharing the message and the plan of God to Joseph. So that he could be a part of it. So that he would embrace it and walk in it. We also see in Luke chapter 1. Someone mentioned this just a few moments ago. In Luke chapter 1 verse 11. The angel speaks to Zechariah. In Luke 1 26 the angel speaks to Mary. And in this, in this passage the angel is given a name. Do you remember the name of the angel that spoke to Mary and Zechariah? Anybody? Gabriel. Yeah. We, we actually see the name of the angel. Gabriel speaks to Zechariah. Gabriel then goes and speaks to Mary. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 15, the angel comes and speaks to the shepherds in the field. And not only that, when the angel comes and speaks to the shepherds in the field, what happens? The heavenly hosts come, right? And what do they do? They begin to praise the Lord. So we see that. We see the worship And we see the service coming together through the angels. The angels serve God. The angels worship God. They fulfill the purpose that God gives them. We see it throughout the Bible in the Old Testament. But we certainly see it right here in the Christmas story in the Incarnation. The writer of Hebrews also tells us that creation will perish. Do you see that? He says creation will perish. He says it will be rolled up like a garment. Well, guess who's going to roll it up like a garment? Yeah, that humble baby, Jesus, that came, yeah, he's coming back, and he ain't coming back as a humble baby. He's coming back as the King of King and the Lord of Lords. And the Bible says that he's going to roll it up like a garment. See, Jesus will always be like he has always been. I love what the writer of Hebrews says. The writer of Hebrews says he remains the same. Our God is the same today as He was yesterday and He'll be that way tomorrow. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has always been and He'll be the same today as He was yesterday and He'll be that way tomorrow. Jesus is the one we serve. Jesus is the one we worship. And the angels, right? The angels in the Christmas story demonstrate that. They, they show us that. So, so what do we do with these angels? What do, we, what do we do with them? Where do we place them in our hearts? Especially in the Christmas story. I love Dr. David Jeremiah, and I love reading his commentary. Listen to what Dr. David Jeremiah says. He says, although the angels are not superior, nor are they equal to Jesus, they do, however, occupy important roles in the lives of believers today because they are ministering spirits doing the will of God. What is the will of God? The will of God is that all mankind would be saved. That's the will of God. God wants everyone to know Him. God wants everyone to know Him as Father. The Bible says, and I I said this earlier, I think I said it in my prayer. In Romans chapter 5, it says, God demonstrates His love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Well, in order for Christ to die for us, that means Christ had to live for us. And Christ did live for us. He came to us humbly as a baby. But that baby grew up. He grew up into a boy. And that boy grew up into a man. And what we see in the scriptures is that that baby, that boy, that man lived a perfect life. He never sinned. Even though he was tempted to sin like you and I are tempted to sin, Jesus never sinned. He lived a perfect life. And then he went to that cross. He went to the cross that you and I deserved. He went to the cross and paid for your sin and my sin. He took the wrath of God that you and I deserved, the full wrath of God. Nothing was held back. And he died on that cross. His last words were it is finished. 3 days later that stone was rolled away. They went and looked in that tomb and Jesus wasn't there. You want to know why? Cuz he is alive. He defeated sin and death with His perfect life, with His sacrificial death. And so He rose again. And it's because of the resurrection that you and I can repent of our sin and put our faith in Jesus Christ and be forgiven of our sin. He purifies us from all unrighteousness. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. That's why I love Hebrews chapter 1. It's the Christmas story from beginning to end. It's all of it. It's not just the little baby in the manger. It's the baby that grew up into a man. It's the baby that died. So that you and I might live full and eternal life. That is the Christmas story. And the angels knew it. The angels embraced it. What did the angels do? They worshipped the Lord. They served the Lord. I look at the Bible. And I look at the angels at the times they came. Especially in the Old Testament. I love when the angels came in the Old Testament. Angels have... Specific privileges. God gives them specific powers. Uh, We see it and it's incredible that they have extraordinary powers. But let me just tell you something. Nowhere in Scripture is the angel ever given the term fully divine and fully human. Nowhere. There's only one who's given that description. Fully divine and fully human. Do you know who that is? Say it again. Jesus. Keep telling yourself that. There's only one who is fully divine and fully human. His name is Jesus. And so I thank God for the angels. I do. I, listen, one of the reasons I wanted to preach this this morning because that's one of my favorite parts of the story. I love it when, when little Linus is telling Charlie Brown, when Charlie Brown says, is there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Little Linus, right, with his little blanket, walks up here. lights please. Huh? And who does he talk about? He talks about Jesus. And in talking about Jesus, he said, wasn't it the angels who appeared to the shepherds? And what did the angels tell the shepherds? Lo, right? There is a Savior born to you today. He is Jesus. He is Christ the Lord. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And so I love the angels. I love the, the part that they play. But let me just tell you this, and I hope this is what you remember when you walk out of this place. Just as the angels are to worship the Lord, just as the angels are to serve the Lord, so we should worship the Lord and serve the Lord. We are to embrace the Word of God. We are to embrace the plans of God and the purposes of God. We are to walk in the truth, walk in the light. We are servants of God. As a matter of fact, Paul says in the New Testament that we are God's ambassadors. Right? We are God's ambassadors. What does that mean? That means we are not of this world. We are just in it. Right? We're not of this world. We come from God. We are for God. We're not of this world. We're just, we just happen to be in it. And while we're in it, what, what should we do? We should worship the Lord. And we should serve the Lord. We are His agents. We are His messengers. We are His witnesses. And so our worship ought to be for Him. Our service ought to be for Him. And it ought to be for Him alone. So let's make sure. Let's make sure that when we're reading the Christmas story, when we're talking about the Christmas story, we don't get caught up in the wise men and the gifts. It's an incredible part of the Christmas story. Let's make sure we don't get caught up in, in the angel and what was the angel's name and... What did the angel look like? And what was the angel wearing? And, you know, we can get so caught up in those things and miss. Why was the angel there? I'll tell you why the angel was there, because God said go. (laughs) And the angel was there to deliver a message, and that message was Jesus. Jesus. And so if you miss Jesus and get caught up in every other part of the Christmas story, then you missed it. You missed it. Christmas is all about Jesus, nothing and no one else. I I do. I I love reading Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel and Mark, even John. I love reading this, Hebrews chapter 1. People say, That's not the Christmas story. Oh, yes, it is. Because the Christmas story is Jesus. Baby, come to us, man who lived perfectly. Man who sacrificially died on the cross. Man who rose from the grave again. Fully God, fully man. And he did it for you and he did it for me. That's what Christmas is all about. Let's keep it that way. Let's make it that way in our heart. In our homes and in our churches and in our communities. Nothing and no one else. Jesus. 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 Walk out of here today and, and say thank God for Jesus.